welcome to the Atmosphere Church Podcast. On behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this message. We pray that it will touch your heart and change your life. Regardless of what you believe, where you come from, or what questions you might have, you are welcome here. Our desire is to help lead you in experiencing God by following Jesus. If you want to find out more information about us, head over to our website at atmosphere.church. We have already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the message. We're doing a, a series talk called I'll Be Home for Christmas, if you didn't see the video. And, you know, typically when we hear that Bing Crosby song, I'll Be Home for Christmas, we have images in our mind of soldiers coming home after a long deployment or college students coming home from their first semester of college or perhaps, you know, the family going over to grandma and grandpa's house to visit them uh, for Christmas. But the 2020 version of the song feels a little bit more like a house arrest. <laughs> it's like, I'll be home for Christmas. It's like, we're not going anywhere. We're not seeing any of our relatives that we typically would see. We're not traveling, uh, doing the things that we would normally do in the season. And so we thought it was super important to kind of address several elephants in the room or in the home that we have probably all been dealing with in our families over the course of these last nine months. It's hard to believe in some ways that it was nine months ago that this whole thing began. In a way, I feel like we're like perpetually stuck in April, like that, that movie Groundhog Day. But yet I know it's Christmas time. But we want to kind of talk through some of these things that really come into focus at Christmas time. So last week, if you missed our talk, we talked about strains in relationship. And COVID has had a phenomenon in relationships in our life that, that, that it's caused some strain. People looking at the virus differently, the political climate that we've just went through, some of the injustice issues that we went through over the summer. A lot of families have felt some strain in their relationships. So if you missed it, you can go online and listen on our podcast. But today, we want to talk about another elephant in the room or in the home, and that is struggles of loneliness. Struggles of loneliness. Now, I, I will tell you that COVID, for the most part, has been a, a time where families have been able to connect and be together unlike ever before. But for those extroverts in the family, <laughs> shelter in place was probably difficult for them. See, we had an apartment up until June where uh, my wife and I and our three adult children, we ended up landing in Camarillo when we uh, started the church. And so we had this apartment. We didn't know all of our, our young adult children were going to come with us. And so we were in a lease. And so we were all there together. And we we're like, okay, we'll be getting a house soon in Thousand Oaks. And, but then COVID hit. And so all of us, all five of us, were in this squishy apartment trying to, you know, get through and survive the, the beginning of the shelter in place. And I have to say that my wife and, and daughters, they're more introverts in nature. So they were like, oh, this is the best thing ever. Now, my son and I, we're the extroverts in the family. And well, 
I know at the beginning of COVID, I was giving you guys all kinds of memes. And here was a meme that my daughter found. And I thought it was so awesome using the Frozen characters. What is that? Uh, Anna and Elsa. And Anna is, you know, the introvert. Like, it's all happy. Like, the first 30 days of lockdown and shelter in place. And the extroverts are like, are you kidding me? That's kind of how I felt. And it... Even though I was in a, in a room, in a, an apartment with all kinds of people, I felt super disconnected. And I started feeling this loneliness taking over. Now, I love my wife and my kids, and, and they fill my life. But not being with my church family, it, it was kind of wrecking me in, in some really bad ways. And for the first month or two, I was not in a good position. And we were doing church online, and, and that was fine. And we were able to connect through Zoom. But even Zoom meetings, it just didn't have the same effect. So I found myself going into a pit of loneliness. Now, I preach about the spirit of loneliness quite a bit. And we've been dealing with an epidemic within our culture of loneliness for the last several years. Uh, it was um, under the Obama administration that Dr., uh, I think his name is Vivek uh, Murdoch, he did this whole study on loneliness because he found out as the Surgeon General of the United States that out of all of the things that he was um, dealing with, that loneliness seemed to be one of the top things that people wanted to talk about because people were struggling with it. And then I was reading this last week a couple of different articles, and I think this is good for us to talk about. According to Cigna Medical Group's 2020 Loneliness Index, America's loneliness epidemic is getting worse with three in five adults reporting they are lonely. And these results come against the backdrop of a rising mental health crisis in America with more than 46 million people living with a mental illness. Two weeks ago, the Washington Post, I was reading this article that they published, and I thought it was so good addressing this idea, the subject. It says, quote, since the coronavirus arrived, depression and anxiety in America have become rampant. Federal surveys show that 40% of Americans are now grappling with at least one mental health or drug-related issue. But young adults have been hit harder than any other age group with 75% struggling. Even more alarming was in August, the CDC recently asked young adults if they had thought about taking their life in the past 30 days, and one in four young adults said they had had thoughts of taking their life in the last 30 days. One in four in the last 30 days in COVID. Social Pro did a survey with people ages uh, 18 to 75, predominantly living in English-speaking countries, found that at least 20% of respondents from each age group polled were lonelier than usual as a result of coronavirus. Millennials were among the most likely age groups to feel lonely. 34% of millennials, those are uh, people born from, I think, like 1980 to 1996 were, are the quote-unquote millennials. They 
report having um, always or often uh, felt lonelier during the pandemic. I heard a super sad story in the Today Show about a man named Chester who's 98 years old living in a um, full-time care facility. He was visited by his daughter, Tammy Rober, every week. And then when COVID hit, people were banned from visiting anyone in a nursing home. And so Chester was not able to have his weekly contact with his daughter. And shortly thereafter, in May, he contracted COVID, or at least tested positive for COVID. And then through his testing of COVID, not only was he cut off from his family, he was isolated within the nursing home facility itself. And uh, the, the nursing group contacted Tammy and said, you need to come and, and visit your father because he's not doing well. He's not talking to us anymore. He, he was normally chatty with the staff and everybody there. And then he stopped eating. And four days after Tammy received that phone call, Chester passed away. Now, what's interesting to me is that his death certificate listed the cause of death as a progression of Alzheimer's disease and, quote, social isolation, failure to thrive related to COVID-19 restrictions, end quote. So we need to talk about this because at what point is the cure worse than the disease itself? Cutting people off, making people feel lonely. But it's not just the pandemic that is causing an uptick in people feeling lonely. The holidays by itself, regardless of a pandemic, tend to make people feel more lonely than in other times of the year. You have people that are being reminded with holiday memories of dad or mom or a husband or wife that are no longer with us. People that have experienced a divorce. Maybe they're, they're no longer a spouse in their life, or, or even worse than that, they have split custody of their kids, and so they have to go this Christmas without their kids because their, their ex has this, the, the kids this year at Christmas. So we, we want to talk about this, and what do you do when you start getting hit with loneliness? Because what I discovered in my own life being in this squishy apartment with people that I love and that I adore, that I started getting hit with loneliness. Loneliness is more than a fact, it's a feeling. And I think all of us feel it at some level. Years ago, I think probably was the first time I really started to understand it. And, and I really started to kind of see what kind of a problem it was for so many people. I was, we used to host concerts at our Vegas church all the time. And I mean, we would sell them out, just, you know, Christian bands. And this Saturday night, we had some tour come through Vegas and they were at our church. I mean, it was shoulder to shoulder. The, the church was packed with people. And I was doing an announcement and then I was walking through the crowd and I made eye contact uh, with somebody in, in our church that was there at the concert. And I said, hey, I'm so grateful to, to have you here tonight and thanks for coming. She's like, oh yeah, this is so much fun. And, and I just kept walking. Next day at church, she comes to me for prayer. And so she's talking to me after church and she's like, can you pray for me? I said, absolutely, what's going on? She goes, I'm feeling lonely. And, and I've just been battling with loneliness. And I just, I, I stepped back for a second because I remembered the night before, I just saw her at the church in a room probably with a thousand people shoulder to shoulder. 
And, I, and I'm thinking to myself, how could you feel lonely when you're in a room with so many people? Well, that taught me that you can have your life full of people and at the same time feel so lonely to the point where maybe you even have had thoughts of taking your own life. And I want to address this because what do you do when you're fighting loneliness, when, when you're getting hit with loneliness? And it seems as though we feel the most lonely when we're going through our biggest struggles and, and our biggest, I guess, uh, uh, issues in life. We tend to feel most lonely because there's this feeling of like, I'm the only one going through this. Nobody, nobody understands me. So you kind of can feel totally alone in the sense that nobody is going through what you're going through. Here's the news flash. I don't care what you're going through. There's another person in this space this morning that's going through what you're going through. You just haven't met him yet. You guys haven't shared your stories yet. But David in the Bible, if you have your Bible, go to Psalm 25. David in the Bible is such a great person to study when it comes to loneliness because he was a man, the Bible says, after God's own heart. And he did a lot to really help people connect with God. But he also had his fair share of struggles, his fair share of missteps in his life. But Psalm 25 really spoke to me as I was looking at this idea of loneliness for our Christmas talk. Verse 16, it says this, turn to me and be gracious to me for I'm lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. Look on my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. So he's going through trouble He's going through anguish, and he's feeling lonely. Hello. Even godly people, even people after God's own heart can have feelings of loneliness. But what do we do when we start feeling that loneliness creep into our life? How do we hit loneliness when it begins hitting us? That's what I want to talk about this morning. If you're taking notes, write these points down. How to hit back when loneliness begins hitting you. Number one, and this is the first point, it's probably the biggest point out of all of them, and it's gonna seem so counterintuitive, but the first point is get alone. I know it sounds weird, get alone. So you fight loneliness by getting alone? Yes. As people of God, as followers of Jesus, you need to know when you get alone, you get reminded the greatest that you're really not alone, that God is with you. You know the most repeated promise in Scripture is that God is with you. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, God is with you. That's the most repeated promise in our Bibles. But it's, it's one thing to know it intellectually and to read about it. It's another thing to experience it personally. And we need to understand something about our relationship with God. That when we get alone with God is when we hear him speak the loudest into our life. This is the difference of solitude versus isolation. A lot of us have been 
isolated during COVID. We've been isolated in the sense we've been cut off. We've been, we've been sheltering in place. We haven't been going many places. We're there. That's isolation. Solitude is intentionally finding place and space in your life where you get by yourself for the purpose of being able to better connect with God. Jesus practiced this all the time. One scripture that comes to mind, you might want to write this down, is Luke 5.16. This is a spiritual discipline that Jesus practiced. But Jesus, it says, often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Why? Because this is where we hear God the loudest. Let's be honest with our lives. Our lives are noisy. How many of you wake up by the alarm on your phones besides me? Just give me a wave. Say, yeah, that's what I do. Most of us do. But you know what's terrible about that? Is that when I go to take my alarm off, my phone is right there staring at me with about three notifications. So I'm like groggy waking up and the first thing I, you know, here's a news update, here's somebody texting me, here's an email, and I'm like, well, I haven't even woken up yet. So before we even hit the ground, our lives are noisy because of these things. But yet the scriptures tell us that God's voice is a still small voice. Anybody have a quiet talker in your life? (laughs) I'm not. <laughs> I'm not a quiet talker. Uh, anybody, anybody have somebody that you know that when they talk, you have to kind of get a little bit closer to them, and you kind of like have to, you don't look at them anymore. You're like leaning your ear. How many know somebody like that? You're like leaning your ear because they talk like this. Hey, how you doing? What? How you doing? What, what did you say? How are you doing? Now, I kind of like that anyway from all the 80s concerts that I attended, but there are quiet talkers that naturally are out there, but I want you to understand something about God. He's a quiet talker. He speaks with a still, small voice. So if you really want to hear God speak to you, you have to quiet the noise around you. And the best way to do that is to get alone so that he can be more loud in your life. Richard Foster, in a book entitled Celebration of Discipline, wrote this about solitude. He says, quote, we have to learn to embrace solitude, not in order to be away from people, but in order to hear the divine whisper better. There are some of you that are having to make some life-altering decisions, and you're like, man, I, I, don't, I don't even know what decision I should make. If you get alone, not only will you help fight against loneliness, but you will get a download from heaven with the direction of the decision that you need to make. Jesus said this. I, I, it's one of my favorite passages, Matthew chapter 11, chapter, uh, verse 28. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you, what's that word, church? Rest. How many could use some more rest in your life? I know I could. Jesus says, if you come to me 
If you intentionally get alone with me, this is what happens for your life. Not only does the loneliness dissipate because you know you're not alone because God is with you, but he also gives you rest. Two things that are gonna be accomplished when you get alone with God. Number one, he's gonna remind you of your identity, of who you are. You're a son to the most high God. You're a daughter to the most high God. And that identity helps. It helps clarify when everything else is trying to tell you who you ought to be, you come into the presence of God and he reminds you who you already are in him. You're his kid, you're his child. And the second thing that happens is he reminds you of who he is. He is the God that is greater than COVID-19. He is the God greater than your trouble. He is the God greater than that relationship issue with that health, di health diagnosis. He is the God that is greater, period. And you get to hear these things when you get alone with him. I call this the Emmanuel factor. The Emmanuel factor, Matthew 1, 23. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translates, means God with us. You know, we, we like to say at Atmosphere Church, we lead people in experiencing God by following Jesus. That's kind of our mantra. And we want you to experience God in your life. We, we don't want you just to know the Bible and the Hebrew and the Greek, and that's important. We, there's a place for that. But we want you to experience the presence of God. And Jesus came to this earth so that we would know the divine. He brought heaven to earth so that we can experience God right here on earth before we even get to heaven. God wants you to experience him. But the way you experience him best is when you get alone with him. The way we love to get alone with God is we open our Bibles. We, we get away and, and we just open the word. We have a daily Bible reading plan. And we, every day we're in the book of an Old Testament, in a book of the New Testament. And God is using that to speak to us and show us direction for our life. And I love the Bible just getting into it. And I could read the same passage over and over again, and I get something new out of it every time. Researchers at the Center for Bible Engagement found that people who read the Bible four times or more a week are 30% less likely to struggle with loneliness. Why? Because when you're reading the Bible, God is allowing you to experience his presence with your life. He's with you. That's the Emmanuel factor. But the other way we experience the Emmanuel factor is through prayer. It's through us talking to God and giving space for God to be able to talk back to us. And I know it's something that we know intuitively to do. We know it because we've heard sermons about prayer. But why don't we pray as often as we should? Maybe it makes us uncomfortable just to have quiet. My, my kids kind of get on to me because I, I don't like listening to music. And I, I'm a big music guy. But they'll jump in my car and they're like, Dad, why don't you listen to music? And there's something in the quietness that I, I have just grown to love. And I'll be in my car. When they're in the car, I'll, I'll play music. But when I'm by myself, I like it quiet. 
And it's like, my car is like my sanctuary. It's like I'm talking to God and, and having these conversations with God so much. I, I love the quietness of it. And that's scary for some people. It makes them feel a little uncomfortable to, to have that silence. But I, I want to tell you that, that prayer is what is really going to help amplify the presence of God for your life more than any other thing getting alone with God. Years ago, I had God lay this idea on my heart and several of the leaders' hearts in our Vegas church to start a 40 days of 24-7 prayer. We had a prayer room in a building, the advantage of having a building, right, and not being a mobile church. We had a building that we dedicated as a prayer room. And we had worship music playing, we had Bibles out, we had journals and and all, all kinds of devotions and things for you to do. But the idea was to schedule yourself one hour in the prayer room between November 15th and Christmas Eve. And I'm telling the church about, you know, praying for one hour. And the first week after I, I sold him on it, I couldn't get anybody to sign up for it. And I had people coming to me saying, hey, can I just take like 30 minutes? And I said, no, you'll mess up our whole schedule. You got to take an hour. So I continued to tell people like, hey, take an hour. And, and we had this little app, um, this 24-7 app that everyone could fill in the schedule. And so the first week, it was really hard by about the second and third week into it, I went to schedule myself for my time in, in the prayer room, and I couldn't find a slot. And then I started looking at the names, and there were people that were like filling in like three-hour time slots. They were like staying in there for three hours. And I went from like being like concerned that nobody could pray for an hour to being annoyed that people were praying for three hours. So I called this one lady and I said, hey, I noticed you signed up for like three hours in the prayer room. She said, Pastor, I, I went in there the first time skeptical. Like, I don't think I can be alone with God for like an hour to pray. Like, I'm going to run out of things to talk about. You know, I, I don't know what I'm going to do in that room for an hour. And she said, but I did it. And then after I did it the first time, I realized that one hour wasn't enough. I needed another hour. So I took two hours, and I did that, and I realized that two hours wasn't enough, that she went for three hours, three hours in the prayer room. I go, wow, God is moving big time in your life. And she said, I have had God speak to me in ways that I've never had him speak to me before, all because... I got quiet and sat still before him for all those hours. I have to admit, when I would go in that room, I'd start praying, and the doorbell would go off, and the next person was, was ready to stand or step into the room and, and pray. Now, we don't have that opportunity here because we're a mobile church, but I am excited to announce that we are starting our third round of 21 days of prayer on January 3rd. So we're starting 2021 off with 21 days of prayer. So we're going to be meeting here at the golf course. So wear your hoodie because it's going to be cold. But we're going to be here at 6 in the morning from uh, uh, January 3rd to January 23rd. We're going to start the year off with prayer. So it's an hour of prayer every day for 21 days. And we, we worship together. Then we break off into the amphitheater and we get alone with God. And so we want to encourage you to do that. You don't need to wait till, the, till then to pray, obviously, but I just want to tell you that God wants you to get alone with him so that you'll realize you're not alone.
Does that make sense? Are you tracking with me? Here's the, th- the second point. Write this down, and that is get a crew. So you get alone, but if you want to fight against the loneliness that is trying to creep into your life, then you got to get a crew. And what I mean by that is that you have to find some people in your life that are not acquaintances that are your battle buddies, people that know you, people that if there was a crisis to break out in your life, you have their phone number and you're calling them. They're the people that God puts on your heart to check in with. See, you should have more than just my number or the Atmos phone number in your phone. This is why life groups is such a big deal for us as a church. We believe life groups are the heartbeat of the church because we've discovered that life change happens better in a circle with a few people than it does in a church gathering like this because people are able to enter into your personal stuff. They know you. They know the struggles that are going on. They know the things that you are facing. And they're there to encourage you. They're there to pray for you. They're there to go to battle with you. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. If you, if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, it's, there, there's, some, there's some tough reading in there. Because as you read that, uh, most Bible scholars believe it was Solomon that, that wrote Ecclesiastes. But as you read some of this, you're like, dude, this guy needs to be on some major dosage of Prozac. Like there's like some major depression going on in how he's writing. But he, he writes chapter 4 in verse 9 because he, he's talking about just how living by yourself is a terrible way to live. And then in verse 9, he, he tells us the advantages of living in community with a crew. He says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other one up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. How many of you sleep a little bit lighter when you are sleeping in a room by yourself versus if if there's somebody else in the room with you or the house with you? When, you, when you're staying in a house by yourself, you hear every little creeping sound, right? But if somebody is there with you, there's just a sense of comfort knowing that, like, hey, somebody else has my back when I may get into a situation that is scary or possibly dangerous, So everyone needs a crew. There is a longing of belonging in your life because God has pre-wired you for relationship. Not just with family, but with people that you can circle up with that you're not afraid to let them in on all of your junk and all of your missteps, all of your imperfections because you know they love you and they genuinely care about you. Every church that I've been a part of, and I've only been a part of a few churches, but every one that I've done, I've always had my own personal, what I call a bro study. I've even done bro study here. It's just me circling up some guys, and we talk about the Bible. We get into Bible study, but you know what we also do? We get into each other's lives. We just talk about life. Why have I always done that? Because I have seen such value personally for that. See, when I first 
became a follower of Jesus, I didn't have a crew. I was kind of doing life on my own. My family, you know, was bouncing back between here and Oklahoma. And I really didn't have a group of people that were in community with me. And I had faith in Christ, but I really wasn't moving that faith anywhere. It, it wasn't, it, it wasn't uh, growing. It wasn't developing. And it was frustrating to me. And then when I came to a place of fully surrendering to Christ, the first thing I felt the Holy Spirit tell me to do is find some like-minded young adult bros to start living life with. And so I did. Found a couple guys. They weren't perfect guys. Matter of fact, I, I think we were kind of more like the Motley crew. You know, they were, we were kind of, you know, dysfunctional in different ways. But you know what? Something began happening in my life that I'd never seen before. I started growing in my faith. I started developing my relationship with God. I'd been going to church every Sunday, but the difference maker was now I had dudes in my life that were helping me and pushing me to go to the next level. And I helped them and they helped me. So what I want to do is help you find a crew. This is where this January 9th conference, we're going to be doing a men's conference and a women's conference, mainly not just to bring you great speakers that are going to help challenge you in some area of your life, but we want to set aside a day where we help you develop other relationships, ladies, with other ladies and guys with other guys so that we can have more people to do life with because we are really better together. You know, I just had this week, and he didn't know I was talking about this, but one of my guys from uh, our Bakersfield Bro Study, he called me out of the blue this week to, a check, to do a check-in with me. He's like, how you doing, Jim? And I go, bro, I'm doing great, but it's so great to hear from you. We, we have continued to have this connection, even though I've moved away, he's moved away, and we still are together in that way. These are relationships I know that if life threw me a major curveball, I could call Mike, I could talk to him, and he could help me out, and he would drop what he's doing to be there for me. We all need people in our life like that. So get in a life group, uh, you know, in, in the season. You don't have to wait for us to launch a life group. You know, we, it's weird now because all the restaurants are closed, but I had somebody in the Bakersfield Church, you know what they did? They started an after-church lunch ministry. And I love this. You know what they would do? They would just randomly, every week at church, they would go meet a new couple and say, hey, what are you doing after church? Let's go to lunch. They would just take random couples to lunch after church. And they have developed so many friendships just by doing the after church lunch ministry. I go, those are my kind of people. So I don't, you could do that today. I don't know. You might go have to eat in your car like my wife and I did. We had our anniversary dinner last night eating at our car. But you know what? I'll take that. I'll do it, you know, whatever. Um, here's the third point. Write this down. Get a mission. So we're get alone, get a crew. Now we're gonna get a mission. We all need a mission. And you know what? Here's the thing. As, as followers of Jesus, we are all missionaries. Turn to your, your neighbor right now and say, you're a missionary. Just tell him that. We're all missionaries. But if we want to be effective missionaries, we need to know that we have to do a mission. You know astronauts, when they're up in space and doing their work at the space station, they have a phenomenon that happens about halfway through their deployment and their work, uh, three-quarters of the way. They call it the three-quarter effect, 
where they start getting really lonely, even though they have, you know, fellow astronauts up there with them and they're busy doing their space stuff and they're, you know, they're talking to family through FaceTime and all the other things. They have this third quarter effect where they start feeling loneliness kick in. And they've done major studies in uh, Dorit Donneville, the director of the NASA-funded Translational Research Institute. Uh, he's a professor of our Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, says to, to really get through this third quarter effect, you have to make something your mission. It must be meaningful and important to you personally, not just a list of tasks. Now, this isn't a, a you know, a, a faith person per se, a, a, a follower of Jesus per se, maybe he is, but this is a concept for astronauts and mainstream, you know, world here. But we as people of God, as followers of Jesus, man, we have so much that God is desiring to do through our life. And so many of us are getting wrecked by the smallest things in this life. And I learned this principle years ago as a pastor, that when your world is small, everything that happens against your life is big. But when your world is big, everything that happens against your life is small. The reason so many of you are getting wrecked and ravaged by the smallest of problems in your life, it's an indicator that your world is a way too small. You need to find more mission in your life and make your world bigger. And there's missions everywhere. You don't have to go to Zambia, Africa for two weeks to become a missionary for God's kingdom. There is work to do literally out your front door. And I encourage you, go out your front door this week. Go to your neighbor's door. Knock on the door from a physical distance. Wear your mask. Do whatever you need to do. But ask your neighbor, hey, is there something I can do to help you out? Do you need anything? Some of you have elderly neighbors they can't get out. Like we partner with Senior Concerns, which is a, a local um, uh, organization helping our seniors in our area that they want us, they want Atmosphere Church to go out while we're going to the grocery store and buy some extra groceries so that they can distribute them to the seniors that they want to shelter in place. They don't want our seniors in Costco, you know, in, or anywhere else where they might get COVID. But we could do that with our neighbor, literally out there. Hey, how can we help our neighbor? There was a house down the street that's abandoned, and I noticed weeds were growing, and, and I go, somebody needs to take care of that, but nobody's like, paying attention to it, except me, and I'm going to help our neighbor. I'm going to make our neighbor look better. I just went out. It took me like 10 minutes. I pulled all the weeds, cleaned up the, the yard of this abandoned house, and I didn't really think anything of it other than, you know, our neighborhood looks nicer now. You know, a neighbor came to me last week, and she said, Jim, somebody told me you were the one to clean up that yard, and I go, yeah, it is just like 10 minutes. She goes, it took you longer than 10 minutes, but she goes, you know what? I am so grateful that you did that. That, that means so much to me and my husband. Now, I can't say like I prayed with her or she gave her life to Christ. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that was just a seed for the future. I don't know. But it helped my life. It gave me mission. I'm, I'm going to go make a difference literally in my neighbor. I'm going to love my neighbor. Quit making missions so difficult. It's as easy as taking one of our little uh, scripture cards that are in the back, on the back table. And we have just little encouraging scripture cards. Take a handful with you today. And I've been doing something fun. I don't know. Maybe it's, 
uh, breaking gas pumps or whatever. I don't know. I didn't think about it until today. But you know, you know the little credit card swipers at the gas station? I've been taking the scripture card and putting it in there before I leave. <laughs> so, hey, next time somebody has to use a credit card, they have to, they literally have to take that scripture card out. Now, you know, most people are probably going to like, what is this stupid thing and throw it away? But what if somebody goes to grab that card out because it's annoying them and it's getting in the way of them putting their credit card in there and they pull that out and that's exactly what they need spoken into their soul that day because when I'm putting that in that gas station little credit card swiper I'm praying saying God let this be used to speak life and love and hope to somebody that is going to come after me it's not difficult to be on mission. Let's make our world bigger and our loneliness will become so much smaller. Would you stand to your feet? I want you guys to declare this in the presence of God that he is Emmanuel. He is the God that is with you even though you're feeling lonely, even though you may be feeling like you are the only one going through what you're going through, you've been cut off from family that you get to visit every Christmas, that 2020 just is terrible. I want you to take some time and I want you to get a hold of the God that is with you, the God that is greater than COVID-19, the God that is greater than your personal issue, the God that wants to put you on mission and get you a crew and lift you up out of that loneliness that is trying to rip you off from the love and the life and the peace and the hope that God wants you living your life with. Let's worship church. Thank you for tuning in today to another great message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on Spotify, iTunes Podcast, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms, and then click the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our family. For more information about our church, go to our official website at atmosphere.church. Finally, if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you? To make a donation, simply go to our website and click the link that says Give. Your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Until next time, we pray you will keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love.